0: Judges chapter 6. The book of Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to read today. and uh, I want to speak to you this morning on the fact that the Lord is with you and that makes all the difference. The Lord is with you and that makes all the difference. The book of Judges is an interesting book. It tells the story of some men and women who God chose to set up as judges in Israel. Israel would wander off into backsliding, and they'd stray away from God, and God would allow enemy nations to come in and and bring judgment upon them. And, and then they'd cry out to God in repentance, and he would raise up a, a judge, someone of the people that would be a military leader sometimes, sometimes a political figure, uh, sometimes a, a figure that we don't know a whole lot about what some of these guys did. But some we do. Gideon is one of those. Samson's another one that we often think of. But Gideon is one of these. And we're going to look at Gideon today. It says, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And that's kind of the theme throughout this book is the people will do what's evil and God will give them into the hand of their enemies for a period of time. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens. That are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land, as far as Gaza, and leave no sustenance in Israel, and no sheep or oxen or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. They would come like locusts in number, both they and their camels could not be counted, so that they laid waste the land. As they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. And we see the next phase that not only do they wander away, and then God gives them into the hand of an enemy nation, but then they eventually cry out to the Lord for help. Isn't that a lot like our life sometimes? We we kind of drift away from the Lord and things don't turn out quite as we had planned. Maybe things begin to get a little rocky, and, and what do we do if the Holy Spirit's convicting us? We cry out to God. And God will deliver us, doesn't he? In fact, the Bible is very, very pointed in telling us how merciful and how gracious God is. That if we just call unto him, he'll save us from our sins. The Midianites and the Amalekites were an interesting group of people. They were uh, obviously upset with Israel. If you go back in your history, you see that Moses and Joshua both had some dealings to do with these. And it didn't turn out too good as far as the Midianites and Amalekites were concerned. And so they've got a little bit of an ax to grind. They're a little bit upset. And so they are more than happy to come in and do what they do. They come in and they begin to not necessarily militarily attack Israel, but they begin to kind of devastate their crops. These are herdsmen. These are, are, are farmers. These are people growing. And, 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 and they come in and they begin to devour the land. They begin to allow their, their camels to come in and eat. And they, they take everything they want for themselves. They just kind of destroy everything in their path. And that's not unusual. In fact, we're going to see that God had made a commitment, a vow, a covenant with Israel. And Israel doesn't keep their end to that covenant. Israel strays off, and and God does keep His end to the covenant. In verse 7, he goes on, he says, "...when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel. And He said to them, "...thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the land of slavery." And I delivered you from the land of the Egyptians from the hand of the Egyptians, and from the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you, and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God, you shall not fear the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. And so as they cry out to God, he raises up a prophet, and this prophet comes along, and, and thank God he's a prophet that speaks the words of God. He doesn't come along and try to soothe them. He doesn't come along and just tell them what they want to hear. He comes along and tells them the message that God has for them. The scripture is clear. He says, thus saith the Lord. This is what God wants you to know. And sometimes in the midst of our struggles, it's important that we not feel so sorry for ourselves, but maybe that we really listen for the voice of God. That we really seek to understand what's going on in our life, and and really each and every one of us as brothers and sisters in Christ, I believe we have a responsibility to be honest with one another, to speak the truth to one another. There are times when when we comfort one another, and there are also times when we confront one another. There's times when we have to be honest, and and so he speaks to them. He says, "There's a problem here. The suffering that you're going through is because you have not kept your covenant to God." If you are to take time later to go through the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, you'd find this covenant where the first part of the chapter, God says, if you'll obey me, here's what I'm going to do for you. And he says, I'm going to multiply your, your crops. I'm going I'm to bless you. I'm going to protect you. He just pours it on. And it is based on this relationship that he says, if you'll obey me, I'm going to bless you. But in Deuteronomy 28, the second half of the chapter, he says, but here's what will happen if you disobey me. And he pronounces some pretty stern curses. And in reality, when this prophet rises up and tells these people at this instance, remember what God told you, they had this in mind. They knew that the Midianites were there and the Amalekites were there, that they were suffering right now because they had not kept God's promises. They had not kept the covenant. There are always blessings for obedience. and There are always curses for disobedience. Israel was in this special covenant relationship with God, and they were not keeping their end of the covenant. But God, even in judgment, was keeping his end. Because God said, if you disobey me, I'll bring a curse upon the land. And so by bringing the curse, he was actually staying true to his word. This morning, as we look at this, I want you to understand that not all bad things that happen are a result of disobedience, though. In this instance, it was. In this instance, they were suffering because they had not obeyed God. But sometimes there are things that take place in our lives that we can't necessarily say it's because you're disobedient. It's because you've strayed from God. It's because of this. Because we know that that good things happen to all people and bad things happen to all people. There's just times when life just happens, isn't there? In fact, the book of James talks about, in, one, in, one, in some instances, that the trials that we face are a good thing. He tells us in James that the trying of our faith builds patience or endurance in us. In Romans chapter 8, he tells us that there are times when we go through struggles and maybe we don't understand completely what's going on, but he says all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. So it's not always that they're disobedient. But in this instance, we know that Israel had turned their backs on God, had strayed from God, and they were suffering the consequences. And this morning, if you're going through struggles, it may be because of that. It may be just life. It may be God is trying to build patience in you. It may be that he is working some things together for good, and you just happen to be going through one of those unpleasant moments that God is using to shape and mold and to bring about something in your life. But God is always at work. In verse 11, it says Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizrite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. We begin to see a little bit of what's going on and how much affliction they're under. We find that the children of Israel have begun to dwell in caves in the mountainside. They've found holes and they've carved them out and they've made them dwellable and they live there for protection. And now we find Gideon, that he is beating out wheat, but not where you would normally beat it out. He's hidden away in the wine press taking care of business so that the Midianites won't find him, so that they can't take what he is doing there. And so this is where you find him in defeat and in fear. They're they're devastated. Have you ever been there? You ever been to that place in life where, man, it just seems like everything is going wrong? That anytime you just start to catch your breath, something comes along and takes it away. Anytime you just start to get back up on your feet, something comes along and knocks you back down. That's a tough place to be. And that's kind of where the children of Israel were. And so Gideon is here, he is treading out the wheat in the winepress. It's interesting that we find where Gideon meets the Lord, there's three things that stand out to me. Number one, Gideon is found by God in a place where he is all alone, in a quiet place. And that brings about a question for us, do we ever have those moments in our life where we're alone, where we get to a quiet place where God can find us and speak to us and deal with our hearts, or are we always so busy that we can't hear from God? Not only that, but the Lord found Gideon busy. He found him doing what he knew to do. He found him getting by. And I'm I'm convinced that if God is going to deal with us in our lives, he's going to look for those that are busy, that are maybe not necessarily where they need to be, and, and maybe they're not even doing the right thing, but they're trying, they're doing something, they're seeking out an answer for the problem that they're in. And then he also finds Gideon distressed. And isn't it just like God to find us At that moment of despair when we don't know any longer what to do. When we've done all that we can do to survive and when we've looked at every option available and and we just don't know anything else to do and we have just almost surrendered completely. It's then that the Lord comes and he finds Gideon. And in our text this morning we find a conversation that takes place between Gideon and the Lord. And I I think it's one of the most interesting conversations in Scripture dealing with someone talking to the Lord. The angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and begins to speak to him. And in the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, the angel of the Lord many times is Jesus Christ. It's the Lord speaking to someone. He's come along. It says in verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. The first thing I want to talk to you about this morning is our identity in Christ. Here is Gideon hiding in a wine press, doing something that he would normally do in a barn because he's afraid that the enemy's going to find him. And yet God comes to him, and as he speaks to him, God comes and he says, Hey, you mighty man of valor. Gideon probably didn't look like a mighty man of valor at that moment in time. It'd be almost like me hiding on the couch, screaming because there's a spider in the living room, and Kathy walking in and saying, You big hunk of man. I don't look like that macho man that I am. But that's what God does with Gideon. He finds him hiding and and doing something that a coward would do almost, and he says, thou mighty man of valor. The difference is that he says, the Lord is with you, thou mighty man of valor. Our view of ourselves is really important, isn't it? How we view ourselves is is extremely important. We're not as important as how God sees us, but it's very important ran across an article, and let me read it to you. It says, Christian psychologist James Michelson once counseled a woman who felt lonely and abandoned. As she explained how she felt, he couldn't concentrate on what she was saying because a scripture kept running through his mind. It is not he who made us, not we ourselves. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. Psalms 100 verse 3. This verse had no apparent connection with her problem, but he couldn't quit thinking about it. After she finished talking, she sat in silence waiting for a response. Dr. Michelson didn't know what to say other than quote the verse to her, although he realized it might sound foolish since it seemed unrelated to her dilemma. He said, I think God God wants you to know something, Dr. Michelson said. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. Does that mean anything to you? He says, the woman immediately broke down and cried. After composing herself, she explained what it meant. She said, I didn't tell you this, but my mother got pregnant with me before she was married. All my life, I believed that I was a mistake, an unplanned accident, and that God didn't create me. When you quoted that verse, I pictured in my mind, God forming me in my mother's womb. Now I know that God created me and that I'm not a mistake. I'll never be the same again. Thank you, Dr. Michelson. I'll never forget this day as long as I live. God knew this woman needed to know that she was his marvelous creation and not an accident. His perspective changed dramatically. her perspective changed dramatically once she understood that God had crafted her in the womb. How she viewed herself was, was messing her life up, if you will. And yet she began to realize that it's more important how God views me. That while others may look and say she was a mistake, she was never meant to be, God looked down and he says, hey, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I had a plan for you. And every one of us needs to understand that just because we see ourselves one way doesn't necessarily mean that's the way God sees us. We might see ourselves as being defeated and and down and never able to win, never able to have a victory in our lives. And yet the Bible says this, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We view ourselves as defeated and, and helpless and weak. And God says, no, you are more than conquerors through me. We view ourselves sometimes as poor and lowly and despised in this world. And we think we are just, the, the, the at best, the bottom of middle income and maybe the top of lower income. and We just think we have nothing. And God looks down and he says, you're my child. And not only that, I have made you a joint heir with my son, Jesus Christ. We look at ourselves and we say, I'm poor and I'm wretched and I'm defeated and I'm discouraged. And God says, you are my child. You're the child of a king. You're the child of a father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And we constantly defeat ourselves by looking at ourselves from our own eyes rather than seeing ourselves from God's eyes. The next time you begin to think that you're worthless, remember that there is a God in heaven who loved you so much and valued you so much that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on an old rugged cross so that he could purchase your salvation and mine. You're not worthless. God says you are as valuable as you can be. You're so valuable that I gave my son's life for you. How we see ourselves is completely different. We often get hung up on our past or our present conditions, don't we? We think about where we've been and what we've done, and, man, I've made some terrible mistakes. I've been, I, I just can't believe the things that I've done in my life, and we get so stuck on that. Or even our present condition. We, we get stuck there and we think, here's where I'm at. And here's where I'll always be. And nothing's going to change in my life. But God looks beyond our past. He looks beyond our present. And God sees our potential, doesn't he? What we don't see is what he has in store for us down the road. There are some of you that are in this room today that maybe think that your life is average at best. But God may look at you and say, I have an amazing plan for your life. You're going to do things that you never dreamed. You're going to go places that you've never thought you'd ever go. You may be here today, and maybe as a a young person or a teenager, you think, man, I've always lived in Farmersville. I will always live in Farmersville. I'll never go beyond thee. But God may be already shaping plans for you to go to some foreign country and share the gospel with thousands of people who need the Lord. God has a plan for you. You might even be here and you might be seeing, I'm in my 60s or beyond and this is where I am and this is where I'll die. And God says, don't think so. i got big plans for you. We get hung up on our past and our present, but God sees our potential. God's image of Gideon was based upon God's presence in his life, wasn't it? He spoke to him and he said, I am with you, thou mighty man of valor. He could say he was a mighty man of valor, not because of who Gideon was, but because of who who was with Gideon. We need to remember that, don't we? That when we stand and we face the enemy, we're not all the enemy sees when he turns and runs, is it? That when we stand in our smallness, like David stood before Goliath, that God is behind us, that God is for us. And the Bible says, if he is for us, who can be against us? God's image of Gideon was based on his presence in his life. And God's image of Gideon was also based upon his purpose for his life. I imagine that day as Gideon was in the wine press and he's crushing the wheat and doing all that he had to do just to survive, probably just to make enough bread and grain to to get by before the Midianites would come and destroy more of their their land. As all of this was going on, I don't think Gideon had in his mind that one day he'd be out leading battles and leading victories against these people. He had kind of surrendered to this defeatist attitude. But God had an image of Gideon that was based upon God's purpose for his life. God looked at this man humbled, and he says, I've got a big plan for you, Gideon. I'm going to raise you up as a judge. You are going to deliver my people from the hand of the enemy. And God has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of our lives. Gideon speaks, the Lord has said, Thou mighty man of valor. And in verse 13, Gideon answers back. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. Does that sound familiar at all to you? That question, he says, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? You ever asked that question you ever said God if you really love me why am I going through this God if you're with me and if you're for me then then why am I struggling in these areas why has has my life been filled with defeats and failure God if you're for me then what's going on Gideon's just like us He's human, and he says, God, if I'm this mighty man of valor, and if you're here to deliver us, then, then what are, what's going on? Why are we constantly being defeated by these Midianites? And God answers back, and the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. In essence, God speaks to him, and he says, God, why is this all happening? And in essence, God comes and he says, let's take care of it. And I'm convinced that when we're going through the struggles in our life, that God wants to see us through these things, that he wants to give us victory over these things. And many times he's saying, basically, what are you just sitting here for? Let's get up and let's take care of things. You know that whatever we're going through today, it's not going to change if we don't change some things in our lives. You might be struggling right now with, with an illness or sickness or, or maybe with sin. In your, you, there might be any number of things that you're facing. And to sit down and give up is not the solution. What does he tell Gideon? He says, go. He says, go in this might of yours. Save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. Haven't I called you? Haven't, aren't I commissioning you right now to go and win the battle? But we tend to become overwhelmed with our troubles sometimes, don't we? It's all we can handle. and In fact, sometimes we use the terms like, I don't know how much more I can handle. Or I don't know where to begin. How many of us have ever used that? I've got so much going on in my life that my head is spinning and and I don't even know where to start to fix it. And when God comes through and we're overwhelmed like this, We get so fixated on why things have happened rather than where God wants to take us. And That's where Gideon was. He said, God, you know, if you're for me, then why are we where we are today? Why do the Midianites oppress us? Why are the Amalekites destroying our crops? And maybe you're here today and and that's the question you keep answering. God's wanting to do something in your life. He's wanting to lead you out of sin. He's wanting to lead you on to greater things. But maybe this morning you're here and you're fixated on, but why? But why did I have to go through this? And why did this have to happen to me? And and why is this happening right now? And why am I living where I live or working where I work? God, why? And the best answer is probably God's answer to Gideon get up and go, take care of business. Haven't I sent you? Haven't I called you? We're never going to come to the answers of why things happen. Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God speaking. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my way, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you're going to wait around for God to reveal to you why things have happened the way they have, you might be waiting a long, long time. Because he is a great, great God whose thoughts and ways are so much higher than ours. We may never have those answers. We get up and we go and we follow God. Gideon speaks back. And he said to him, verse 15, Please, Lord, How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the least of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. He says, God, I'm a nobody. How can I save Israel? How can I do these things? And I think that acknowledgement alone is why God chose Gideon. Because he wasn't somebody special. He was average at best. And God speaks and he says to him in verse 16, but I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And we begin to think, "Who am I? How, how could I do anything for God? God's answer is, because I'll be with you." That's exactly how you'll do it. How can I lead my family to Christ? How can I lead my lost loved ones to come to know the Lord? How can I take care of a family and children? How can I be a single mom? How can I grow up as a child in a home without both mom and dad? How can I do all these things, God? I'm just me. And God says, because I'm with you, and I'll guide you through that. But Gideon continues with his doubts in verse 17, and he said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from me here until I come to you and bring out my present, and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. That is such an interesting thing because here he's carrying on this conversation with this angel of the Lord. And I think Gideon knows that this is the Lord speaking to him, but he's not quite sure. And so he says, I, I need you to do something for me. I need you to wait here while I go and prepare a present for you. And he goes and he begins to prepare this, this meal, if you will, uh, of, of bread bread. and and some broth, and these things. And, And what he's preparing when you study into it is he's preparing an offering that can only be accepted by the Lord. And so in essence, he's saying, wait here, I've got something for you. And as he goes and he prepares this, and he brings it out, his thinking is more than likely, if this angel accepts what I give him, then I'll know he's the Lord. Because only the Lord can do this. And so he tests God. And so Gideon went into his house in verse 19 and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, "'Take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them,' and he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes.' And fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes, and the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. The Lord speaks then once again, and he says to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abuserites. This conversation that goes on is what I wanted you to hear this morning. because I think it's a conversation that many of us have with God from time to time. We're defeated, we're discouraged, we're down, we're, we're, we're at our wits' end. And God comes along and it's almost like he grabs us by the lapel and says, hey, you, mighty man of valor, Mighty man of God, mighty woman of God. Hey, you, it's time to get up. It's time to get moving. I'm about to give you victory like you've never seen it before. And aren't we a lot like Gideon? When God speaks to us, we say, yeah, but I'm just me. God says, you're just you, but I'm with you. And That makes all the difference, doesn't it? That's why he could call him the mighty man of valor, because his presence was with him. This morning, whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're facing, whatever tomorrow holds for you, know that God looks at you from an entirely different vantage point than you maybe look at yourself. And you may not think you're equipped for what tomorrow holds, but God looks down and he says, you and me are going to do this. I've got big plans for you my presence will be there, and my power will be there. Get up. Let's get going. Maybe you're here today, and and that's the struggle you're facing. Maybe you're here, and and, and your life is just at that point that Gideon's was where you've just kind of given up, and you're just grinding wheat. You're just going through the motions day after day, week after week, month after month, and you've just given up on life. And God has come along and He said, hey, what are you doing? I've got more for you than this. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Maybe you're going and your marriage is maybe what Gideon's was. And you're just grinding wheat. I mean, you're just getting by. Not much to it. You've just kind of surrendered to this defeat in your home. God comes along and he says, hey, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. You don't need to be defeated. I'm with you. I'm calling you. I'm going to go with you. I have a plan and a purpose for you and your family. It's time to get up and get moving.